Druids and cars go into festivals. They can chat about things. It's a druid podcast in cars. Sometimes the best parts of festivals are the discussions that surround them, reflections on what we did and heard, anticipation of what's to come, and processing what it all means in relation to our spiritual work. We wanted to help either introduce you to that phenomenon or extend it for you. That's what this is about. I'm Reverend Jana Vende. And I'm Reverend Michael J. Dangler. We're priests of Arnriach Fane and members of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. We're recording these sessions actually live in cars, actually going to festivals and events, so you will hear road noise, turn signals, and navigation prompts. But that's part of what makes it fun. So... Sit back and enjoy Druids in cars going to festivals. So one of the kind of weird things that we do, I guess, it's not that weird to us, I don't think, because we keep doing it. Yeah. But one of the things that is unique about our practice and has kind of in some ways spread and in some ways not depending on who the person is and how they interact, is the act of praying over our tools, the stuff that we do to work ritual with. And this is really prevalent with our priestly stoles, but also with our uh, sickles and things like that. Mm -hmm. So our priestly tools in particular. But uh, I do it with other things as well. And kind of the genesis for this idea was when I initially received my stole. And the best way to explain how ADF works with the the priestly stoles that we have is it was entirely by accident. So when I was ordained as a senior priest in ADF and I received my stole, during the ritual, we got all the way through the ritual, and at the very end, the person who was holding my stole for me, who happened to be Lisa, um, said to Kirk, hey, I still got this stole. It <laughs> <laughs> had never actually been put on me during the actual ritual. And so it got rolled into the working, and we took, Lisa took the stole around the gathered folk at Summerland and everybody toned into it and then it was placed on my shoulders and the experience I had was very interesting it was a it was heavier than it should have been I noticed and thus a tradition was born and thus a tradition (laughs) was born this is why we tone and pour out uh, the voice of the folk into those stoles each time we ordain a new priest. Yeah, it's very much, the stole is, it is charged with the voice of the folk to give the priest a voice, is kind of how I internalize that feeling. Um, And it definitely does, when it's put on your shoulders, is much heavier than it has any right to be and there's this sense of like enveloping warmth and responsibility like all kind of 
mixed together. Yes. We've got actually a, a, a really good example of it uh, as a video because I happen to record yours and uh, Amy's, Amy's and, and David's. David's. So we, we recorded that we recorded that aspect of it, and you can watch it on YouTube. It's on our, our YouTube channel, uh, and we'll link to it in the description of the uh, of the podcast. But the the process, as you can see it there, it gets taken around and then laid upon the shoulders. And it's always a member of the folk who carries it as well. Mm -hmm. And so when it's presented, it is presented by the folk and charged with the voice of the folk. And what that has come to mean to me, as you alluded to earlier, is that the folk essentially provide access to that voice. It's a responsibility to speak with it well and to speak with it truthfully, I tend to think. I agree. And not to abuse that trust or that relationship. And that's the first part of it, because it always comes first. The folk have offered us this. It's not a right that we have to it. It's a privilege to speak with. And I think in... So one of the differences between our form of paganism and other more mainstream religions is that it's not like this, you are divinely given this ability to speak better to other people and to the spirits and deities. It's very much a, the folk have granted you this privilege because they've seen in you the ability to be a priest, look to you in that manner, and are now granting you access to this right. voice. And in, in many other traditions, it is the priests who grant you access to that priestly stuff yeah. that you're reaching for, that you're trying to uh, obtain and, and work toward. And within ADF, it is very clearly, as a result of this slight mix-up, <laughs> uh, the voice of the folk that reaches out to you and says, we trust you and you are worthy of this work. Yeah. And the other interesting thing about that, of course, is that all of our rituals are participatory um, and the consent of the participating individuals is also important in that. So, you know, people can withhold their voices if they wanted to. There's no obligation that everyone pour out that voice, but, you know, by and large, uh, every one of these that I've gone to, everyone has, has agreed that this person that we're ordaining is indeed yeah. worthy of ordination. Um, and then I feel like once the stole has been Im imparted with that voice, it becomes no longer a strip of fabric, but the spirit in its own right. I think of it as the home of the spirit. The, yes. the place the spirit yeah. dwells in. Yeah, that's a, a better way to put that. But in a lot of ways, having that home for the spirit also means that the, the spirit home, the stole itself, is worthy of my reverence toward it. Yes. Um, it is the, the thing that I can reverence that in turn reverences the spirit. Um, 
and shows my respect for it and my love of it. And so each time I take it out and unroll it and get ready to put it on, I speak a short prayer. I do as well. Let's hear yours. <laughs> See if you can do it without your stole in your hands. <laughs> so that's a good question. We should have brought our stoles on this lovely walk because then it would have been a whole lot easier. I was just thinking about mine. I was like, I don't know if I can remember it without holding it. There's a lot of physicality to religious work, and sometimes people forget that. But the the very movements of unrolling the stole and laying it upon my hands and all that, it's, it's actually very highly ritualized. Yeah, and I do it the same way every time. And that's how we kind of remember. We tie the brain and the body together to create that... I guess the uh, the preconditions yeah. for that magic, um, and yeah, we can do it without, or at least we're going to find out if I can <laughs> in just a moment. But um, and by the way, this is not me stalling. This is just me explaining <laughs> for the folks at home who can't see my hands moving everywhere that they are. But in creating those preconditions, uh, it's very much like combining the various elements of work into that holy magical substance that we work with. Sometimes we talk about that with the two powers, the, the power of the earth and the power of the sky coming together to form a substance of magic. That's a very cerebral, um, external sort of thing, and this helps to sort of internalize it. So we take out the stole, um, I lay it across my hands, and I say, stole, voice of the pe... See, I can't do it. <laughs> Let me try mine. We got to stop walking for a second, though. Okay. So oh, that's I... a good point. We are walking. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay, so stole the priests of the people of ADF for the, gosh, <laughs> for the wisdom you share. I ask that you be with me in this work. That's not exactly it, but it's, it's pretty close. close. <laughs> All right. So with me, it's stole the priests of the people of ADF. For the voice that you give to me today, for the work and the wisdom and the understanding, I call out to you and I say, I thank you. Continue your work with me through this rite. Then I put the stole on. Or something very similar. Yeah. I do know that, so a difference I hear between yours and mine is that you specifically say, I thank you and be with me in this work. Yeah. Um, I... Well, I did today. You did today. <laughs> I used to say... I thank you is like because you're just so used to after you make these invocations that it's like I thank you mm -hmm. um, but mine definitely shifted from be with me today yeah. and then when I take it off I do essentially the same prayer but I say thank you for joining me today yep. and lending me your voice yep and I say something very similar which is you know stole the priest and the people of ADF for the voice that you have given me today I call out and I say I thank you yeah. And then I roll it up and I put it away. Um, and that process has led to some interesting issues, for lack of a better word. There, there was a morning after a clergy retreat where uh, Kirk was like, all right, now we all got to put on our stoles and go take a picture. I'm like, Kirk, I'm not going to wake up my stole <laughs> so that I can go take a picture. <laughs> like, I got I to do something with it. It's, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not a piece of fabric to me. It's not a... Uh, it's not a, a prop. It's not a prop, yeah. It's, well, I mean, it is kind of a prop. 
because everything we do is a prop, but it's not, it's not the sort of thing that I'm willing to just roll out when I want it. I take it out when I need it. And that process has shaped the way that I interact with it in a lot of ways as well. Um, I mean, even when I do take it out, you know, if, if I, uh, um, there was a, a little bit ago, I was working on a, a project where I needed photos of our stoles. <laughs> so I was very clear. I'm like, hey, this is religious work. These photos are going to be used for social media and, and stuff like that. Um, when I when I roll it out, I'm not only going to take pictures. I'm going to do this reverently. I'm going to um, honor and thank the stole for its work, and I'm going to uh, do work for the folk at the same time that I do this mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, so. I think one of the other interesting things that happens uh, because we pray over our stoles is in the hustle and bustle of getting a ritual ready like that stuff that happens right beforehand and everyone's kind of moving around and you take this moment of like pause and quiet and sometimes people will see you having stopped moving and realize that I can talk to you right now. Yep. <laughs> and so someone will come up and start a conversation and I just keep doing what I'm doing and then acknowledge yes. them because I don't want to interrupt what I'm doing with the stole. Right. Well, I'm already having a conversation. I'm going to finish that thought. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it's it's never a problem because I can listen and pray at the same time. Yeah. Y years of priesting. Has, yeah, I can do the same. Easy. I can do the same. Um, <laughs> but I get through everything because, yes, that moment of pause and silence is, I mean, that is my act of grounding and centering. It's not the attunement that happens later in the rite. Same. It is that act. And that also, interestingly enough, frees me up during the attunement to kind of make sure everything else is going right because I don't have that deep need to find that ground and center because mm -hmm. I've already done some of that. The other primary tool that we've got that I always pray over, and I assume you do too, I think I've seen you do it once or twice at least, um, is our sickles. Mm -hmm. And these are lovely. They were made by... Um, Omega Artworks out of, I think, Minneapolis. And they're beautiful pieces. And the work that we do with those is different than the work that we do with the stoles. And our sickles are not charged by the folk. They are charged by the priests. And so I tend to, to have a different relationship with the sickle than I do, I do as with well. the stole. Yeah, so for me, the sickle is the embodiment of the work. So the, whereas the stole is this embodiment of the voice, which is one way to pray, right? The sickle is the embodiment of magical work that we do as priests. Uh -huh. And so whereas the stole I call stole of the... Oh, goodness, it's so hard to do while you're walking. Stole the priest of the people video. Yes, that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is what I call my stole. Um, my sickle is just sickle of the work. Um, because that is, I don't use it for things that aren't magical. Right. 
Um, and so it is very much this piece of the work that I do. Um, and it's, it's a similar prayer. It's sickle of the work for the energy you've been imbued with. Let it join with me today. Be with me now. Yeah, I refer to mine as sickle of consecration for the okay. most part. And usually how I, I manage it because it is what we give to consecrated priests. Right. And the reason that we do that is because the act of consecration is the act of cutting things off from other things that they may be holy or sacred. And so all of the actions that I do with the sickle, they, they look like cutting things off. So I, I use it most often with the waters. And there, there's that crafty piece of liturgical language I came up with at some point, which is all waters are by their very nature sacred. <laughs> but we separate out these waters that they may be set aside for this in this time and in this space for this work. Right. And when I do that, I will often physically hold the, uh, the sickle out and cut below, around, and above it. Above the pitcher. Yep. To, yes, exactly. There's a pitcher. See, I'm doing this with my hands. <laughs> you can't can see, see it, that. but he is holding a pitcher, an imaginary pitcher in his hand right now. <laughs> I am. So I hold the pitcher forth, and then I cut below and around it um, in a not terribly beautiful sort of hand motion. It's a it's a working hand motion. Like you say, this is a sickle of work. It's a sickle of consecration. It cuts things off. Um, so there's no flourish to it, really. It's a very workmanlike kind of Yeah. Cut. I also use my sickle, additionally to the waters, which I know I picked up from you. Um, I use my sickle fairly often when I open the gates, because mm -hmm. even though gates are this um, moment of connection, which seems a little bit counterintuitive, the way that I visualize the gates opening is a parting of mist. Mm -hmm. And so I'm using the sickle to literally like cut a hole in the mist so that we can see through the gates. Yeah. And I have in the past also used it for that. And I have a very similar sort of look to it. And the gates are the other place that I would, if I'm going to use it, that's where I'll use it. Um, but the other thing that I do as well, is I'll use it sometimes to consecrate offerings. Um, it's the nice thing about our sickles being made out of bronze is that they sound really good when you tap them onto our wooden yep. uh, bowls. You get a good clear sound from that. And I like to do that um, when I'm consecrating offerings or, or things like that. But I always pray again at the end to honor the sickle and its work. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like I said, it's a very similar prayer. It's you know, sickle of consecration for the work that you have done today, for the cutting off and the consecrating. I call it to you and I say, I thank you. Yeah, um, mine is something like sickle of the work for joining your uh, magic with mine. Thank you. Something like that. Yeah. Again, we're walking. We don't have our tools. It's so. hard to do it without the tools <laughs> in your hand. <laughs> it's so clear when you do, though. Um, but yeah, the, the work is one of those things that the more we do it and the more we pray to them, the clearer those spirits become, mm -hmm. I tend to think. And letting them grow along with our work is something that speaks to me on a lot of levels, but particularly on the, the chaos magician sort of level that I have <laughs> where... 
building spirits and egregores and servitors and all that kind of stuff sort of blends into this idea of um, giving spirits home, reaching out to them and finding them in those mists. So we have some other pieces in our Grove Hallows kit that are, I would also consider Magical tools is kind of a loose word for them. Um, the biggest one for me is we have a jar of ashes mm -hmm. that we save from every rite we do, every fire that we have, um, excepting the ones that have candles and we don't burn the offerings at that rite. Um, yes. <laughs> but all the ones where there is a fire either for offerings during the ritual or if we set a fire after the ritual to burn the offerings, like if we're inside for some reason. Um, but I very consciously um, add those ashes to the new fire. Um, if possible, I do it while we open the gates because you're consecrating that fire at that time. Right. Um, it's not always logistically a smooth thing to do. No, nor are we always <laughs> the ones opening the gates. That is also when I prefer to add them, but we, we don't really have a set process yeah. for yeah. that. So, but adding, adding those ashes back into the fire um, is a moment of magical tool use. I don't have a set prayer that I do with it. Like it's not necessarily the same every time, um, but it's something along the lines of like, let the fires of our past join with the fires of our future or something in that vein of work mm -hmm. um and we have and the waters from the well as well we do save the waters from the well interestingly i don't have anything i say with the waters from the well <laughs> do you so my my general prayer for both of those because i do have a prayer for both and i usually say it quietly and usually just at the level where i can hear them um is almost exactly the same it is something like let these waters connect this well to all of our previous ritual waters. Um, let them flow as they have always flown. Um, on the fire side, it would be let these ashes connect all the previous ritual fires and let this fire burn in this hearth as it has always burned before. Yeah, and then when I collect the ashes at the end, it's something along the lines of let these ashes carry us forward into our future work. Mm -hmm. Um, often accompanied by, oh crap, that ember was still orange and it's in a glass jar now, let's add some water. <laughs> mm. Soup. Soupy spire. <laughs> yeah. Now, the, um, one of the things that we talked about doing early on, a tradition that we wanted to build, but I am not the liturgist to do it, is the idea of singing the well to sleep and taking our ritual stuff, so the well, the fire, the tree, and at the end of the rite, closing everything down in a very ritualistic way and putting it away in a very ritualistic way, which would of course allow us to also build in the order of which things get put in <laughs> and might make the hallows actually close when you put the lid on them at the end of the day. Um, so there were, there were a couple of reasons for that. But that's something that at some point I'd like to revisit is the idea of singing the well to sleep at the end of each mm -hmm. rite. Yeah, that's a cool idea. I definitely, so I am the current keeper of the Hallows. Um, my garage is our sacristy. 
Um, we, uh, so a lot of times when I'm replenishing stuff or cleaning all of the cups that we use um, and all the offering bowls, um, it's not necessarily a, these, these tools are magical, but it's not necessarily towards them. But sometimes I will get my stole out while I'm doing that and not put it on because I'm washing stuff and whatever else, but it'll be next to me. <laughs> um, but I'll get my stole out because it is an act of reverence to care for um, all of these items in the hallows. And I find it very fulfilling, actually. It is. The, the hallows have lived at many houses in our the last almost 20 years that we have been doing this now. And I felt the same way when they lived at my house. It was nice to keep, it was nice to hold and uh, to do that work. There is there's a certain there's a certain feeling of accomplishment and reverence that comes with working with the physical objects of our own druidry that really appeals to me being hands-on I mean we, we pray very often or we, we say our our oath as priests is that we will do the work with our head our heart and our hands and that hands-on piece of cleaning and clearing and preparing and uh, holding things as we pray that over them is, I think, a big part of what appeals to me in modern druidry. Yeah, it's a very multi-sensory kind of experience that I think is important to, um, to have that deepening of work that we end up with. Right. And on that note, Maybe next week we should talk about those sensory experiences. Oh yeah, because we have that good leading. Yeah, good we've lead got in. that particular question from one of our uh, uh, listeners, so we'll we'll work in some sensory stuff. So that's our homework for this homework. week. Homework, got think it. About it. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and there's more to come. We welcome your ideas and questions. If there's something you would like to hear us discuss in a future episode, please drop us a line at druidsandcars at threecranes.org. If you'd like to donate, you can do so at threecranes.org slash donate. Druids and Cars Going to Festivals is a production of Three Cranes Grove ADF in Columbus, Ohio. Our theme song's lyrics were written by Arthur Shipkowski, and the music is written and recorded by Mike Beershank. Learn more about our grove at threecranes.org and more about druidry at adf.org. As always, keep circulating the tapes and let us pray with a good fire.